As we get started this morning looking at our study, uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll start here this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 12, the word of the Lord says this. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So specifically, the reason I want to start with this verse is what it says there in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. As the people of God, this describes really our identity, who we are. We are holy and beloved. Not just some of us, but all of us are called holy. And so this morning, as we look at our study, continuing to think about some of the differences between Catholic doctrine and our doctrine, we're thinking about, specifically this morning, the veneration of saints, uh, which is just a fancy way to say veneration means honor, so honoring saints, this idea within Catholicism. And so we see clearly here and at other places in the Bible that God calls his saints holy. He calls his people, every single one of us, holy. So I think Catholics would agree with us that when we are in the presence of God, when we go to heaven, we are all holy. But that's not really the question before us this morning. The question is more, are we holy right now? And what are the effects of that? Uh, and so this is more where the, I would say, some disagreements come into play. Sometimes, when you read through the Catholic Church's documents, they make statements about everyone in the church being holy. So I want to acknowledge that. They do say that the church then is the holy, quote, the holy people of God, and her members are called saints. So it would not be entirely accurate to say that the Catholic Church doesn't think every Christian is a saint. They do state that. Uh, it's probably worth noting that the reason they consider the church to be holy is not just because she's connected to Jesus, but because she's also connected to Mary. So because Mary has reached perfection and she's the mother of the church, so to speak, the Catholic Catechism states that in her, in Mary, the church is already the all-holy. So that's probably important to know. But as we think about this, even though that the Catholic Church will say that uh, everyone is a saint, there still seems to be some kind of, I'll call it a hierarchy, that's probably not the right word, but this 
uh, system where some people can become canonized as saints and are officially recognized as saints. And those people are people who practice heroic virtue or live in fidelity to God's grace. Uh, To be a saint means you have this heroic virtue or you're a martyr and there have to be at least two miracles associated with that person to show that their prayers are effective. That's what it means to be a canonized saint in the Catholic Church. And so in in doing that, in having canonized saints, people who are recognized as saints, and there's degrees within that of um, people who are blessed, and then there's something else, and then there's you reach sainthood. It seems, at least from me on the outside, it seems that, yes, they call everyone saints, but there's still kind of these tiers to it. Some people are more saints than others. Uh, that's what it appears to be. We would say that to be a saint uh, means everyone is a saint and everyone has equal status because we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's how we're declared righteous, we're made holy, and that's how we become a saint because saint literally means holy one. To be a saint means to be a holy one. Every Christian is made holy by the blood of Jesus right now and is declared holy by God. And so every Christian is a saint, not just a future saint, not just going to achieve sainthood, not just called to be a saint in the future, but a saint right now. So a couple places in the Bible you could look. I'm going to list these quickly so uh, you don't necessarily have to turn to them. But Romans, at the beginning of Romans, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, at the beginning of Ephesians, at the beginning of Colossians, basically any book that Paul wrote, almost all of them, he starts out by saying he's writing to the saints, right? And so we understand from that that he's not just merely writing to some people in the church, like some people are saints and they get the word of God, but all the other people who haven't reached sainthood, this isn't really for you yet. That's not really what he's doing. He's writing to the whole church because he considers all the church to be saints. And not just saints in the future, but he calls them saints right now. And we can see that in our passage that we read this morning in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. You can see it in some other places as well where all of the, the Christians in the church are called saints. So, for instance, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 would be some places that happens. Uh, and we're called holy for several reasons. One, because God makes us holy. But remember, we're, the, we're called the temple of God individually and collectively as a church. We are the dwelling place of God, a holy temple to the Lord. And so that that in itself is also a reminder that we're holy right now. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He has made us holy as a dwelling place for himself. Even though, even though we still sin and we're not yet perfected in the sense of having all of our sin eliminated, we're not fully sanctified yet, God still calls us holy. And uh, Hebrews 10, 14 would be the perfect place to look for this. 
Make sure if you're writing things down, write that one down. Hebrews 10, 14. Because this really is the verse. I've mentioned it before, but this is the verse that talks about this. It says this. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So by Jesus' offering himself on the cross for our sins, he has perfected. Notice the tense. This is past tense. We're already perfected in the eyes of God. Even though we are the people who, it says, we are still being sanctified. God views us as perfect. We have been perfected, even though we're still being sanctified. And so that's incredibly important for our understanding of how God can call us holy, even though we're still working on following him better and growing in godliness. So, every Christian is a saint. Uh, we've looked at a couple verses uh, Every Christian is a saint. The question now is, how should we honor saints? How should we honor people who are Christians without worshiping them? That's the question before us now. So, for example, Romans 12.10 says this. It's a great verse. Uh, Romans 12.10 Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul's writing to us how we should live. He says, outdo each other in showing honor to each other. Right? So you can just imagine what this would look like, right? Uh, you could think, this is probably not the best example, but just think of like a compliment battle. Someone gives you a compliment, and then you give them a bigger compliment. They're like, no, you're really, no, this is great. You compliment them back, right? You're just trying to outdo one another and showing honor. We're told to honor Christians. So we want to make sure we don't miss that as we're thinking about uh, this Catholic idea of honoring saints, venerating saints. The Bible does tell us to honor each other to outdo each other in showing honor. That should be our nature, to, to be humble ourselves, to, to exalt and highlight the good things about other people. That's what we're called to do. But as we do that, even as we imitate people who are imitating Christ, that's another way we can honor people, right? Uh, or we can, um, yeah, a way we can honor them. But even as we do those things, Catholics teach that there is a different way, or you might say more honor, that we should show to the saints. And specifically, they say that we should pray to the saints. So uh, they'll, if you read the catechism, I didn't write down this reference, maybe it's later. But it says specifically, it is good and right, this is a quote, it is good and right to pray to the saints. So, for example, uh, in the Code of Canon Law, I don't think I've quoted that yet in this study, but in the Code of Canon Law, they say this, that there's a special and filial reverence that we should show to the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, Mother of God, 
whom Christ established as the mother of all people, and promotes the true, authentic veneration of the other saints. So they're saying, yeah, you should show this special reverence to Mary, and that also is an example of how you should venerate and honor other saints as well. And specifically, that includes praying to them. So here, I wrote it down here. This is a Catholic Catechism 2683, if you're interested. We can and should ask them, the saints, to intercede for us and for the whole world. So that's more of where we start to get red flags in our mind, right? We read in the Bible, we're supposed to honor each other, right? And look not only for our own good, but also for the interests of others. But this says to, to pray to them because they are interceding for us. Uh, that just doesn't sound right uh, for several reasons. Probably the first reason that's up front is whenever people pray to other people in the Bible, it's not a good thing. So the example would be, the first example that comes to mind would be Daniel. And what was, what was the King Darius? What was the thing that got Daniel in trouble? He said, no one can pray to anyone else except to me, Darius. And Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's wrong, right? And he got thrown into the lion's den, and God showed that Daniel was in the right. He sustained him. He showed, yeah, Daniel's doing what he's supposed to do. He's honoring me by not praying to people. Now, you could say Darius was a, you know, non-religious king, so of course you shouldn't pray to him. But what about to saints? But I don't think that argument really holds either. Uh, and really, once we get into some of the reasons why they say to pray to saints, that shows us really where the heart of this disagreement is. So the first reason that Catholics teach that we should pray to Mary and the saints is because of something called the communion of saints. Uh, I'm going to try to explain this simply. So the communion of saints basically means that we're one with everyone else in the body of Christ, right? When we're saved, we become united to the church. Uh, we kind of understand that. So that means we're not just united to people here in this room who are a part of this church. We're united to everyone in the whole church, universally. Uh, we're also united one body with those who have gone before us, uh, those in heaven. And so the Catholics would say because of that, those people in heaven, the saints we're united to, they're already in the presence of God. And they're able to sustain us in a certain way. They're able to, uh, because they're closer to God, they're able to receive grace from Jesus directly because they're in his presence. And because we're united to them, that's kind of how we get some of that grace. They're in the presence of Jesus receiving this grace, and we are united to them, and so that's kind of how we get it. That's one of the reasons behind this idea. That's uh, a complex reason, but it's one reason. Another reason Catholics would say we should pray to the saints is because they are praying for us. They're interceding for us. So if we pray to them... They can take, they're in the presence of God, they can then take our requests directly to God and ask him directly. That's essentially what it is. Because they're more closely united to Christ. And so, uh, let me read a quote from the Catechism. 
being more closely united to Christ, those who dwell in heaven fix the whole church more firmly in holiness. They do not cease to intercede with the Father for us as they proffer the merits which they acquired on earth through the one mediator between God and men, Christ Jesus. So by their fraternal concern is our weakness greatly helped. That said a few things. Uh, but the first thing that we notice is that really it's the saints that are interceding for us, right? And that's the, the Catholic idea of why we should pray to them. But that's not really how that works. It's not like they're in heaven and uh, they can just take God aside and make sure he hears about this thing that going on in our life and make sure it gets dealt with. That's not really how that works. We know in the Bible that we don't need other people to intercede for us, mediate on our behalf, that we come directly to God. We read about this in Hebrews chapter 10. The blood of Jesus makes it possible for us to enter into the holy presence of God. The, the curtain in the temple is torn. There is no separation. We come directly to God. This is Hebrews 10, 19. And so we don't need someone else to do this for us. We can come directly to God. We don't need to pray to other people and go in this roundabout way, whether it's to a priest here on earth or to saints in heaven. We can come directly to God. Uh, we also don't have anything in the Bible that talks about specifically that people in heaven know what's happening on earth. Uh, you could maybe make some arguments from certain verses, but we don't see that definitively taught, I don't think, in the Bible. Let alone, even if there's some wiggle room on that, we definitely don't see anything taught that people in heaven are interceding for people on earth. But we do know that Jesus is interceding for us, and the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. So whenever the Bible talks about people interceding for us, it's God himself doing that. The members of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8, uh, Jesus in Romans 8 as well, and Hebrews 7.25, they are always interceding for us before the Father. And so if they're doing this, we really don't need anyone else to do this on our behalf. They are God speaking to God the Father himself. Uh, and so it just, in that sense, it makes it unnecessary. But there's another reason, and this, this is the final reason I think we'll talk about this morning, why Catholics pray to saints, to Mary, and to the other saints. And it's because of an idea called the treasury of merit. M-E-R-I-T. Treasury of merit. And so there's this idea in Catholic theology that there's a treasury containing the merit of Jesus that he's earned by dying on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, that he's bought, essentially he's bought grace to, to give to people so that everyone can be saved. Uh, and we would agree with that, right? We're saved because of the work of Jesus, not our merit, but his merit. But this treasury of merit, the Catholics teach, also contains the merits of Mary 
and the rest of the canonized saints who, according to the Catholic Church, have essentially an overabundance of good that they've done here on earth. They have extra good in the eyes of God, so they can take some of that and put it into this treasury, and then that gets doled out to us. That's essentially what is said about the treasury of merit. So I'll read it to you. This treasury, this is the Catholic Catechism 1477, this treasury includes all the prayers and good works of the Blessed Virgin Mary. They are truly immense, unfathomable, and even pristine in their value before God. In the treasury, too, are the prayers and good works of all the saints, all those who have followed in the footsteps of Christ the Lord, and by his grace have made their lives holy and carried out the mission the Father entrusted to them. In this way, they attained their own salvation and at the same time cooperated in saving their brothers in the unity of the mystical body. So the reason this is really maybe gets at the heart of our major disagreement. The reason Catholics pray to Mary and to other saints is because they believe they actually have grace and really, to some sense, can affect our salvation because of the good things that they have done while they've been here on earth. That it's not just Jesus, but that the saints add to this grace that we receive. And so we pray to them to receive grace instead of just praying to Jesus. And that's part of the reason why their prayers also have more influence because they have more merits in the eyes of God than other Christians. That idea of the abundant goodness of other saints uh, that can be transferred to us really isn't in the Bible. Um, We think specifically about passages that talk about how we answer individually to God for what we have done. It's not based on what anyone else does, but it's based on what we do. So I'll show you one verse. This is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5 says this, For each will have to bear his own load. For each will have to bear his own load. We see the same idea in Jeremiah 31, 30. That's the passage where it talks about uh, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge and how that's not how it's going to work in the future, but you can look that up. But the idea is that our salvation or condemnation is not based on what other people do. It's not based on what our parents do. It's not based on what other people who follow God do. It's not based on what people in heaven are doing. It's based on what, whether or not we have sinned against God, which we all have, and then whether or not we believe in Jesus to save us from our sins. Because only he is able to give us the grace we need to be saved. And so, to conclude, we, uh, we should definitely be praying for other Christians, not to other Christians, but we should definitely be praying for other Christians. But when we pray, we're not praying to other Christians, we're praying to God. We pray to God, not to saints, because he is the only one who's able to answer our prayers. He's the only one who has the power to. He's the only one who is inherently gracious in and of himself. 
we receive grace from him and are changed to be gracious, but it's because of his spirit in us, right? So it all comes from him. So every saint, every Christian has direct access to God and the fullness of God's goodness to them because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. That God has graciously given us Jesus and because of him, not because of the saints, God graciously hears our prayers and responds to our prayers. And just a practical thing to conclude, that makes it easier. You don't have to know which patron saint you're supposed to be praying to for what thing, right? Uh, you don't have to say a certain amount of Hail Marys or things like this, right? We come directly to Jesus and we know he hears our prayers. And if he hears us, we know that that petition is sitting in, in the presence of God and he hears it and he will answer according to his good plan. And so this is some thoughts really about how we think about honoring saints and how that differs from the Catholic Church.